He's looking for workers to plow his field. He needs to, he has a field, he needs to plant stuff. It's the time of the year. He's looking for workers. Nobody wants to come dig up his field and prepare the field for planting. So out of desperation, he writes a letter to his cousin in America and he says, Dear cousin, what should I do? I have this field that I need to plant and the summer, the time is almost up and I can't find any workers. So his cousin responds in a letter and says, you're going to... I'm sorry, the guy writes in the letter, I have no choice but to do it myself. I can't find any help. I'm going to have to dig up the whole field by myself. It's going to be a lot of work. So the cousin in America writes back, Oy vey, you're going to dig up the whole field? The whole entire field? But the, my guns are buried over there in the field. He sends off the letter and the Russian government censored the letter. They saw this guy has guns in his field. They sent a whole troop of soldiers and they came and they dug up the whole field and then he planted his tomatoes. Was that you, Hank? So today's topic is Shabbos, a time when we don't plow our fields. We get other people to do it for now. It's a time when we relax, we refrain from certain kinds of work and plowing and planting are actually the two first categories that are mentioned in Mishnah which are not done on Shabbos. And as usual we will see how this is connected to our Parsha and how the lessons, the ideas can connect to us, can be relate, can relate to us, uh, you know, thousands of years later be enough. Okay. <clears throat> one more? Two more. No, one more. Mm. You need more? No, this is more. Here. All right, so we have so much to learn today. Hopefully we can cover everything. Let's begin with source number one. This is from Tractate Shabbos. Shabbos is one of the longest tractates. There are 60 tractates of Mishnah. 37 of them also have a Talmud commentary on them. Shabbos is one of the longest. Um, it, has the, it's the long, it has the most chapters. It has 24 chapters. And a, it's a thick volume of the Talmud. And on page 10 says the following, source one, God said to Moses, I have a good gift in my treasure house and Shabbos is its name and I seek to give it to Israel. Go inform them about it. And this week's parsha is the first time when the Jewish people find out about the mitzvah of Shabbos, that they are commanded to guard, to keep the Shabbos. And we see here in the Talmud that God refers to it as a gift. I have a good gift in my treasure house. Shabbos is a gift that God gave the Jewish people. It's a gift from God's treasure house. And we're going to see here what is such, what's so uh, gifted. Why is Shabbos such a special gift? And what it does and what it teaches us every week. Well, let's take a step back. Let's ask a question. How do we know that... How do we know when Shabbos is? 
there's a day of rest. The Torah says to rest on the seventh day, like we'll soon see. But there are many Christians. There's probably about two billion Christians. How many Christians there in the world? Many, many Christians. And they observe the day of rest on Sunday. There are a billion Muslims in the world. And they observe, many of them observe the day of rest on Friday. Speak to a Muslim. Speak to a Saudi. They observe this in Saudi Arabia and many other uh, Arab countries. Is that true? Yes. Anyone that uh, knows a Muslim, ask them. They observe the day of rest on Shabbos, all based on the same Torah. So how do we know to, How do we know that the seventh day is Saturday? Shabbos is the seventh day. Another question: We know that to bring in the Shabbos, the woman lights Shabbos candles. We'll talk about that soon. Why is it the woman? Everything else, the man puts on tefillin. We learned last week. Why does the woman get to light the candles? And number three, we all know that we eat challah for Shabbos, the special challah. We can all smell the yummy, you know, the yummy challah. Homemade challah is always the best. Where does this come from? Why do we eat challah on Shabbos? What is unique about this bread that we celebrate Shabbos with challah? So in our parsha is the first time, as, as mentioned, that the Jewish people are commanded to keep the Shabbos. And it's brought in connection to the story of the man, or the manna. I'm going to call it the man. In Hebrew it's called man. Man was the food from heaven that the Jewish people lived off for 40 years. Last week we spoke about the end of the ten plagues in Egypt, the exodus of Egypt. This week's parsha, we didn't focus on it today, speaks about the splitting of the sea. Even after they escaped Egypt, Pharaoh on the seventh day caught up with the Jewish people with his armies and um, cornered them, by the, trapped them by the sea. And a miracle occurred and the sea split and the Jewish people went through the sea and the Egyptians came in and the Jews left, uh, were out and the, and the sea um, you know, came back on the Egyptians and they all drowned. I think today they even have some remnants that they found in that sea, in the Red Sea, wagons, wheels, and stuff that they say dates back to that era. But either way, the Torah is good enough for me. The Torah records this. And afterwards, the Jewish people wander in the desert for 40 years until they enter the land of Israel. What did they eat off in the desert? Last I checked, things don't grow in the desert. There's, not, there's no wheat. There's no one plowing fields wheat growing and flour and making bread. What do the Jews eat in the desert? So we see in our parsha, source 2. In the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp, the Jewish camp. The layer of dew went up, and behold, on the surface of the desert, a fine, bare substance on the ground. There was something there. They woke up. It was first covered with dew. When the dew went up, they saw it. When the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, It is manna. Manna means, in Hebrew, it's a portion. It's prepared food. In Hebrew, manna means a portion. But it could also mean a portion of prepared food. You don't serve somebody a portion of unprepared food, right? So that's what manna means. They didn't know what it was. It's just food. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. It refers to the manna as bread, but it wasn't... It was something which satiates like bread, but it was some, some kind of miraculous food from heaven. Literally. It says, when they ate the man, they made a blessing, like we make a blessing before we eat. And on bread, we usually say a blessing, hamotzi lechem, min 
Haaretz. He who, thanking God for uh, the one who makes the earth give bread. And in the desert they said, Hamotzi lechem He who sends bread from heaven. It was literally bread from heaven. And that's what the Jewish people ate for 40 years until they entered the land of Israel and they had their fields and were able to plow and plant. That's what happened the first day and the second day and the third day, fourth day, fifth day. And on the sixth day, source three, the Torah continues, it came to pass on the sixth day that they gathered a double portion of bread. Every day, the man came anew. It wasn't a one, uh, you know, supply for a week. Every morning, they got that day's dose, that day's portion. And they ate, and they ate, and they ate the whole thing. And the next morning, they got a new, they were not allowed to save to the next day. Every morning, they got it again. But when it came the sixth day, they gathered and they checked, hey, it's double. It came extra, double portion of bread. And all the princes of the community came and reported it to Moses. The leaders of the tribes came to Moses and said, hey, what's going on? Why is this day different than in all other days? So he said to them, this is what the Lord spoke. Tomorrow is a rest day. He informs the Jewish people of the concept of Shabbos. The seventh day, tomorrow, is a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake whatever you wish to bake, cook whatever you wish to cook, and all the rest leave over to keep until morning. Because tomorrow there will be no man. The man will not fall on Shabbos. And the man, they would grind it also and, and, cook, uh, and cook it. All that should be done today. On Shabbos, we don't use fire, we don't cook, we don't bake. And you will not go out, like we see in Source 4. See, the, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, He gives you bread for two days. He gives you a double portion, once for today, once for tomorrow. Let each man remain in his place. Shabbos is not a day to travel. It's not a day to venture out of the house, to go make food and collect and work. Let no man leave his place on the seventh day. And sure enough, the Jewish people accepted this mitzvah, so the people rested on the seventh day. This is the first source that the Jewish people were commanded to keep Shabbos in connection with the story of the man. The man did not fall on Shabbos. It fell a double portion of bread on Friday, one for Friday, one for Shabbos. And on Shabbos, the man did not fall. Shabbos, anyone know what the word Shabbos means? Shabbat, Shabbos. In Hebrew, if there's a strike, it's called Shvita, which is the same letters as Shabbos. A strike is when people are resting, they're not working. Shabbos means to rest. That's what it literally means. Shabbos. Strike? Like a strike. If they go on strike and they're not working, it's called Yeshvita. There's a strike. Like now the government, whatever, it's, it's off. No one's working. Later, I will, I will tell you interesting a real history about strike in please. Israel uh, related to Shabbos. Yes, one fifteen. Yes, after. please. Yeah. Actually, no, I mean, Shabbos is it Hebrew or Yiddish? Shabbos is Hebrew. Oh, Yiddish is <coughs> a lot of words in Hebrew we also use in Yiddish, but Shabbos literally is a is a word in Hebrew. Shabbat Shabbat means he rested. Oh, Today Shabbat Shabbat is just Shabbat different Shabbat way to. It's the same. It's the same word, just different pronunciation. And the same meaning. Yes, same meaning. Okay, so we don't travel on Shabbos, and I cannot. Um, oh, let's see, source five, and uh, <coughs> there's a halacha from Reb Sadia Gaon. There are all kinds of rabbis throughout history, but there are the sages of the Mishnah, 
there are the Talmudists, the, the, the sages of the Talmud, and then there are the Geonim. The Geonim are the rabbis who lived from about 500 CE and until probably about the year 1000. The second half of the, the those, those few hundred years are called the Geonim. They lived in Babylonia. And one famous one is called Sadia. And he writes like this, source 5. If a group of Jews do not know which Torah section is to be read on a certain Shabbos, they're out on the way, they're lost somewhere, they got mixed up, there's no, they can't call, they can't figure out what portion to be read on that Shabbos. So what should they do? They should read the section that pertains to Shabbat in general, the section of the Manah. They should read our Parsha, the part of our Parsha which deals with Shabbos. Because our Parsha is a central part in the Torah, although it's mentioned many times in the Torah, like we'll see soon, but the first time the Jewish people are commanded is in connection with the mana, and that is the portion that should be read. That is a general portion in connection to Shabbos. And that brings us to the fourth question, what is the connection between Shabbos and the mana? Is it just technical? Okay, so, there, so on Shabbos, the man didn't fall. There must be also a deeper connection that the Torah chooses to tell the Jews the first time about Shabbos in connection to the man. What is there, what's the common denominator, what, what does the man and Shabbos have in common? And the fifth question is, why do we rest on Shabbos? Anybody? Why do we rest on Shabbos? Why does the Torah say that Shabbos is a special day and we should rest? It just wants to give us a day off? It's a good idea. It's a good idea. So you could have picked, listen, you can't say every person needs a, needs a rest after six days of work. Some guy can work for two weeks and then he needs a break. Some guy after three days he needs a break. Every, they should say every once in a while take a break. Why does the Torah say the seventh day you should rest? So those are our five questions. How do we know that the seventh day that we observe Saturday is really Shabbos? Number two, why is it the woman that lights Shabbos candles? Number three, why do we eat the special bread called challah on Shabbos? Number four, what is the connection between Shabbos and Man? The Torah chooses to introduce Shabbos in connection to Man. And number five, why do we rest on Shabbos? True story. You can check it up online. Verified. Not like our Tefillin story last week on the 9-11. This is a true story. I remember when it happened. You can check it up online. In March of, I think it was March, 2014, an Air Malaysia flight number 370 took off from... Kampala? How do you put it? What's that place? Yeah. Took off on Saturday morning, 12.43 p.m., I think, or a.m., and after about 40 minutes of flying, disappeared from the radar. Till today, they do not know what happened to this plane. There are all kinds of assumptions, but they had not found enough, uh, you know, they didn't really find the trunk of the plane. Nothing. No bodies. Garnished. They don't know what happened to this plane. And... 250 passengers, crew member, every, everybody gone. That's four years ago. There was one man that was in this place. What's it called? Lampala. Lampala. He was there and he sends an email to his travel agent on Friday or that week, the week before. His travel agent was a religious Jew living in Australia and he says that he wants him to book a flight for him from this place to um, Beijing, uh, Beijing and China, and and um, that he wanted he wanted a flight on, on that day. So the travel agent told this guy who was Jewish, not too observant, but Jewish, and he said, "Listen, I don't like flying Jews on Shabbat. I'm going to book the rest. He had a whole you know itinerary. I'll do every, all other parts." 
I don't think you should take this flight. I think you should take the flight on Friday, and you'll you'll be in Beijing for for Shabbos. And uh, if you want to book it, you can book your. I'll do the rest. You book that part. But if you change your mind, let me know. The guy says, "Yeah, I'm, I'll book that part myself." Okay, and he. I think he actually booked the flight. That flight. But you see in the emails, he emails the day, you know, the day after, he emails back to the travel agent, he changed his mind. I should, he writes like this, I should really be observ more observant. This is what I, I, I read this in the email. And he says, book me the Friday flight to Beijing. And if you could recommend a place where I can be Friday night for Shabbos, where I can eat a Friday night dinner with yummy challah. And the guy sends back, sure, he books him the flight Friday morning instead of Saturday morning. And he sends him a link. And I checked the link, ChabadBeijing.com. There's a rabbi there, Rabbi Freundlich. And he says, let's go, good. And the guy flies out Friday to Beijing and he's there for Shabbos. Saturday night after Shabbos, Motsi Shabbos, the travel agent gets an email from this guy. Holy moly, that guy was supposed, would have been on that 370 flight. And he says, this flight, I don't know what happened to it. And I feel bad for all those people on it. But... Thank you for saving my life. And our travel agent said it wasn't me. Shabbos saved your life. God saved your life in the merit of keeping Shabbos. Shabbos is not a day to travel. It doesn't say anywhere that if you travel on Shabbos, you're going to die or your flight will, be, will end up in heaven. But definitely, like there's a saying that more than the Jew keeps Shabbos, Shabbos guards the Jew. Yeah, he was on the road that? Yeah, he's the one who said that. You heard of him. I heard of him, yes. So, let's see if we can try to answer some of these questions. Where does Shabbos come from? What's the concept of Shabbos? Where does it come from? It goes straight to the beginning of Genesis. Chapter 2, verse 1, source 6. God completed on the seventh day His work that He did. The opening of the Torah. In the beginning, God created. On day 1, He created the light. On day 2, He created this. On 3, 4, 5, 6. On the sixth day, He created man. And on the seventh day, he completed his work that he did. And he abstained on the seventh day from all his work that he did. God created. He did creative work on six day, for six days. And on the seventh day, he abstained from work. God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it. So says the Torah in the portion of Genesis. God blessed the seventh day. He didn't work. He blessed it and he sanctified it. Rashi tells us, source 7, what does it mean he blessed it and sanctified it? He blessed it with manna, for on all the days of the week it descended for them. Whereas on the sixth day, each one received a double portion. So he blessed it and he sanctified it with manna that it did not descend at all on the Sabbath. It was a sanctified day, a day of, of abstaining from work. What does it mean he blessed it with manna? Well, the bread for Shabbos wasn't just an extra portion, it was unusual bread. That day was favorably different in its aroma and its flavor. However good the manna tasted, and it did taste delicious, but on Friday, that extra portion that was given for Shabbos had a extra. It was unusually different in its aroma and its flavor. Like the Talmud says that a non-Jew once asked one of the sages of the Talmud, uh, he had some of the Shabbos food, and it tasted delicious. He didn't know it was from Shabbos. It's such delicious food. What kind of, what's the spice that you put in there that's so delicious? And he answered, we have a secret spice and it's called Shabbos. The food of Shabbos is like that manna. It always tastes extra good, extra yummy. 
So that's the source. The source the Torah says clearly. That's what God did. So far all we see is that God abstained from work. He worked for six days, rested on the seventh. He blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it. So God worked for six days. He rested on the seventh day. Right? And he tells the Jewish people, here is manna for six days. Work with the food. Go out there from your field. Go out there from your tents. Collect the manna. Bake it and work. Cook it. And on the seventh day... Abstain from going out. That's how we know that the seventh day is Shabbos. Because they were in the desert. Six days they counted. On the seventh day there was no manna, it was Shabbos. And since then, the Jews kept the calendar. And we know when is the seventh day? When is the day of rest? Because what did Moses tell the Jews? Why is there no manna today? Because today is Shabbos. Today is the day God rested. Source A, this is what God, saying, this is what God was saying to them. If the idolaters will come to you, if other religions will come and ask, why do you make this Shabbos day on this day? Imidrash tells us. Why on this day? Why don't you copy us? Why don't you do Friday? Why don't you do Sunday? You will tell them, see, the manna does not fall on the Shabbos. God is telling us clearly what day is a day of rest. This is a day of rest. And really, that's how we know that God created the, day, the world in six actual days. A little bit of a different topic, but just parenthetically, it's interesting that there are those philosophers that claim that God, you know, the world seems, the scientists say that the world is billions of years old. When, maybe when it says that God created the world in six days, each day was, wasn't a day like, you know, a 24-hour day. It was a different kind of day. But here we see that Shabbos is because God rested. God worked for six days, he rested on the seventh day. The Jews in the desert got manna for six days, they rested on the seventh day. The day is an hour, a 24-hour day. It doesn't say to rest for a thousand years or however long, the, you know, a, billion, a million years. A day is a day. God worked six days. And the Torah says, God worked for six days and rested on the seventh. These are days which are 24 hours. Actually, Shabbos is 20, a little bit more than 24 hours. This young kid asked his father, why is Shabbos 25 hours? Why is every other day 24 hours? To which he responded, the Jews are always running late. So we, all, we go a little longer than usual. So we go beyond the 24 hours. But really, Shabbos is a 24-hour day. Shabbos is the way God created the world in six days of 24 hours. And on the seventh day of 24 hours, he rested. Source 9. Sorry. Uh, yeah, Source 9. Remember, it's actually one of the Ten Commandments. Some people will say, I don't believe in all 613. Ten Commandments, yeah. But they're surprised to hear that out of the Ten Commandments, the longest one is Shabbos. All other ones are short. Don't kill, don't steal, believe in God. Shabbos is very long. Shabbos goes on to describe God created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh day and therefore I command you to guard Shabbos. It says, remember the Sabbath day to sanctify it. Six days may you work and perform all your labor. It wasn't just for the Jews in the desert in connection to manna. It was a general commandment to the Jewish people and instruction. Six days may you work and perform all your labor, but the seventh day is a Shabbos to the Lord your God. You shall perform no labor. Shabbos is a day of rest. And there are many categories. There are 39 categories of work. It's not just any labor. It's specific kind. It's called creative, creative work, creative labor. And like Moshe showed up late 
to the football game. He was in college, and the college had a football team. And Shabbos morning was a game, and he showed up late. So he, his friend said to him, Moshe, why do you come so late? They're already in the middle of the game. So Moshe says, well, today's Shabbos. And I couldn't decide. I couldn't make up my mind. Should I go to the game, or should I go to shul? Shabbos morning. So I decided to flip a coin. So his friend said, flip a coin. It doesn't take so long. You flip a coin, and then now you're here. So why did it take so long to get here? He said, oh, well, I had to flip it 35 times. <laughs> but that is Shabbos. Shabbos is a day when we go to shul. Shabbos is a day when we pray and we daven and we learn and we sit together with family and we focus in on important things. Source 10. Thus shall the children of Israel observe. These are just some quotes from different parts in the Torah where the Torah tells us about Shabbos. Thus shall the children of Israel observe the Shabbos throughout their generations. It wasn't just for the desert. It wasn't just for that generation. Throughout their generations. As an everlasting covenant between me and the children of Israel. It is forever a sign. Shabbos is called a sign. It's a sign between the Jewish people and God. It is His gift from His treasure house. It is a sign of distinction between us that I have chosen you, God says, by granting you as an inheritance my day of rest for your rest. I created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. It's my day of rest and I'm giving it to you. It is a sign that we have some special relationship. God gives Shabbos his day of rest to the Jewish people. So, and just leads into source 11 connect in, in the continuation to last week. That is why, because the Shabbos is called a sign between the Jews and God, that is why we do not wear tefillin on Shabbos. Source 11, it shall be for a sign for you on your arm, right, the tefillin. The Talmud tells us this teaches that the obligation to don tefillin applies when the Jewish people require a sign. When we require a sign, so we put on tefillin. That's during the week. This excludes Shabbos, which is itself a sign. Shabbos is a sign between the Jewish people and God. And why is it a sign? Shabbos is a sign that we believe in God and that God created the world because we are copying, we are emulating God. Why are we working for six days and resting on the seventh? Because we believe that God did so. God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. He told us to do the same. So by, uh, by observing Shabbos, we are affirming our faith in the creator of the world. That is a basic uh, level, uh, a simple understanding of what Shabbos is. It's a sign between us and God. God created the world, gave, it to, gave His day of rest to us. That is the simple idea of, of the Shabbos. It's a special time. You know, there's always spe there, there are times that are just holier than other times. And Shabbos is that day. Shabbos is that holy day. Shabbos Kodesh is called. Shabbos Kodesh, the holy day of Shabbos. It is a day that God sanctified. But now let's take it a little bit deeper. Let's look what Hasidus philosophy tells us about Shabbos and what the Kabbalah tells us about Shabbos. Let's get back to the man. The man was very miraculous. Source 12. They measured it and whoever gathered much did not have more. Whoever gathered little did not have less. Each one according to his eating capacity they gathered. Every morning they all got out of their tents to gather the mud. You can imagine, some had bigger hands, some pounced on it first, they got more and they filled up their buckets, some got less. But miraculously, each one ended up with exactly the same. 
they all got exactly what they need. Each one according to his eating capacity. That's it. Whatever they did, they couldn't get more. If they, didn't, if they did whatever they can, didn't get enough, it ended up being enough for them. What, this, what does this teach us? Source 13. The manna was nourishment that literally descended from heaven. No matter how much effort a person invested in obtaining it, a lot or a little, he ended up with his precise nutritional needs for a single day. No more, no less. The manna trained the first generation of Jews to complete dependence and utter reliance upon God for their daily bread. God was teaching them, I'm giving you bread every morning. Don't save it for tomorrow. Or I'm giving you bread. Every morning they woke up to bread. And even if they got a lot, it came from God. God gives you exactly what you need. Even if you, you didn't manage to get a lot, somehow it ended up being enough. It was a training, teaching the Jewish people. They saw clearly, they were able to see vividly how it all comes from Hashem. All of their sustenance come clearly from Hashem and they get exactly how much they need. Source 14. The blessing we recite after each meal is the very same blessing composed by Moses in gratitude for the manna. Well, we have the grace after meals. Alright, familiar as the blessing we sing after the meal. That was composed by Moses. For who? For the people in the desert. What does that show us? How can you compare? Those people are thanking God for the manna. We don't have any manna. We don't have any man. We're thanking God the same way. Yes. Ultimately, the bread we eat Bread we purchase with money earned through our respective professions, bread that is sown, reaved, milled, kneaded, and baked, is no less bread from heaven than the manna consumed by our ancestors. Our challenge is to recognize that what is to recognize what was obvious to a generation who daily saw their daily bread descending from the heavens. They saw it clearly. They woke up and they and kaboom, the manna's here. God sent them bread. But really, the bread that we get is also from God. We don't see it clearly, but of who makes the things grow? Who makes everything? It's all from God. And the same blessing that the Jews bless God after eating the manna is the same blessing that we say. Maybe it doesn't come the same way, but ultimately it's all from God. And 15, that is exactly the concept of Shabbos. What does Shabbos show us? Shabbos shows us that ultimately everything, our sustenance, our livelihood, everything comes from God. Source 15, here's the Rebbe's explanation. Shabbos and the manna share a common purpose. To underscore our complete dependency upon God as the true source of all sustenance. Belief that human effort is the sole determining factor for success makes it hard to justify giving up a full day's income. It's hard not to work on Shabbos. It's the busiest day for some stores. That's when people go shopping. Doesn't make any sense. Right? The more effort I put in, the more hours the store is open, the more money I'll make. But if I recognize that everything ultimately comes from God, not working on Shabbos is a clear affirmation of our faith that sustenance lies in God's hands and that our work is no more than a vessel through which God's blessings can flow. So source 16, when a struggling shopkeeper is faced with a dilemma of whether to open his establishment on Shabbos, Conventional wisdom will dictate that more business hours will generate more income, positing that the shopkeeper 
must choose between his religious beliefs and his financial betterment. Whether you, you want to make more money, put aside your religious beliefs in God and Shabbos and so on, and make money on Shabbos. That's how you make more money. You work more hours, you get paid. On the other hand, one who knows that his shop and all the time and toil invested in it is only a channel for God's blessings, because ultimately our food, our money, is man from heaven, bread from heaven, just like it was in the desert, just in a different way. We're just making a channel for God's blessing to come. Understand the absurdity in expanding the channel in a manner that violates the will of the supernal provider. If God is, if we recognize that God is the supernal provider, just as He provided the Jews in the desert with manna, He continues. He was training them. Right? Ultimately, God says, "I'm not going to provide you the manna the rest of his, for the rest of the time. You got to work. That's the plan. You got to work." But God is, it's the blessing which God is giving through your work. And we won't make a penny more than God decided. And we won't make a penny less than God decided. Then if we recognize that, and, doesn't, and God also tells us that Shabbos is a day of rest. Shabbos is a day when we should abstain from work. So it wouldn't make sense, right? It would be absurd to expand the channel when we know that the provider is not happy with that. If the provider, if the supernal provider, if God says that on Shabbos is not a time to work because I rested and you should rest then we understand that this is not the right channel to get the blessings from God so Shabbos and Man have something in common Man trained and educated the Jews that ultimately everything comes from God and later they're going to go into the land of Israel and they're going to plow their fields if they find someone to do it for them right they're going to plow their fields but they had an education, the years in the desert taught them that everything comes from God. God is the one that provides. He can provide in a miraculous way, and then He'll provide in a natural way. But if a tree goes from the ground, is that not nature? Is nature not God? God's right there. It just happens every day, so we're used to it. The man doesn't happen every day. Right? But also, the man teaches us to be, that our sustenance comes from God, and God is intimately involved in everything that happens in this world. And Shabbos teaches that as well. Shabbos teaches us, take a day off and let me see if, you'll, if, you'll still, if you're fine with that. If a person can keep Shabbos, that shows that he recognizes that everything ultimately comes from God. And if God said to keep Shabbos, I'll be fine. Because ultimately it's just a channel how to get God's blessing. So we understand now that Shabbos and the man go together. They are both teaching us that everything comes from God. And that is a deeper level. So Shabbos, the first level is... I believe in God. God created the world in six days. He rested on the seventh. I do the same. Shabbos affirms that faith. I believe in God. Chassidus takes it a deeper level and says, Shabbos shows that we trust in God. We recognize that God is involved. Not just that He created the world, but He's involved in the world. And everything, how much money I'm going to make this week is up to Him. And if He doesn't want me to work on Shabbos, I'll make money another way. And in no way is the money from Shabbos good for me. And even if in my bank account it looks like I have more money, Maybe I'm going to have, have some unexpected expense at the doctor or some other thing that I don't realize. But ultimately, it can be that a blessing will come through such a, through such a channel. Comes the Kabbalah and takes it even a step further. There was a man that moved to America from the old country in the 19, early 1900s when it was mightily hard. It was extremely hard to, have a, to keep Shabbos here in America. Many Jews worked on Shabbos. There were many shuls, religious Jews, that they would come to shul early Shabbos morning so that they could go work because it was very hard. It was a real challenge to keep a job. Saturday, everything was open. And many Jews 
would get fired from the job every Friday and they wouldn't know. And if they kept to the Shabbos, they cling to the Shabbos, they wouldn't know how they would make money next week. There was one man that every Friday he got a pink slip. Fired. This went on for many, many months. And he was a proud Jew and he was happy. He was, uh, he was joyous. He would come home and thank God that he passed the test and, he's, and he accepted you know, being fired and he trusted in God that somehow God would provide the following week. And when it came sukkahs, and he built a sukkah, many have the custom to decorate their sukkah. What did he make his decorations out of? All of his pink slips. <laughs> he wove them into another and he hung it in a sukkah, demonstrating to his children, we're proud to be Jewish, we're happy to keep Shabbos. Maybe it's not easy sometimes. That's the way he decorated his sukkah. He looked at, sh at Shabbos and keeping Shabbos as an honor, as a privilege. You mean he was fired on Friday and he was fired back on Monday then? He had to go work for, look for work, whether it was on Monday or Tuesday oh, until, until he found a job. Maybe he didn't find a job, but however many jobs he had, he kept on getting fired until he opened his first company and he's very rich now. I don't know about that part, but <laughs> I'm sure he made it, I'm sure he made his way. Not like the story that goes, there was three Jews each talking about their rabbi and one man says, my rabbi is such a powerful man, he's so holy that he was walking once and there was a lake and he said, the lake to the right, the lake to the left and in the middle was dry land and we were able to continue. The other man says, ha, huh, my rabbi, you were walking and there was a huge mountain and my rabbi said, mountain to the right, mountain to the left and there was a straight path in the middle and the other guy says, ha, huh, my rabbi was walking on Shabbos afternoon and we, he saw a wallet full of money and he said, Shabbos to the right, Shabbos to the left, picked up the wallet and put it in his pocket. But obviously that's not the right way to go about Shabbos. We, uh, we do not have, uh, at least uh, the rabbis that I know, do not have the ability to put Shabbos aside. Shabbos was sanctified by God. So until you're God, keep the Shabbos. Let's look a little bit about the Kabbalah rites. This man comes to the rabbi. It's not all the same rabbi, by the way. Different rabbis. <laughs> Otherwise, he would have a full-time job just answering questions. <laughs> so the guy comes to the rabbi and he says, Rabbi, my wife and I don't stop arguing. And it's such petty things. You can't, you can't have a normal conversation. Every time I come home, something else. What should I do? So the rabbi says, I think you're just very stressed. You need to do some exercise. Every day, you should run for 10 miles. Okay? And you'll see. Hopefully things will, will get better. Seven days later, the man calls the rabbi back. And he says, Rabbi, things are great. 10 miles every day. And that's it. No arguments. And the rabbi says, really? <laughs> no, not even one? Not one argument? He says, yeah, what do you mean? I'm 70 miles away from home every day, 10 miles. <laughs> men and women are very different. I wouldn't just say men and women. There are, God created the world with two, this is what it says in the Kabbalah, in, in short, so much to talk about. There are the masculine energies, forces, and there is the feminine energies and forces. The six days of the week, right? every person has both. Every person has a masculine energy and a feminine energy. Men have a dom their 
their masculine energy is more dominant and women, their feminine energy is more dominant. Sometimes, you know, people have a little bit of imbalance. But, you know, it, it can be... But uh, in general, that's the way it is. Men and women are different. There are different kinds of people, different kinds of energies. And, in, and the way it is in man and humans reflects the way it is above in God. There are two kinds of emanations, two, two kinds of um, energies. The six days of the week are masculine. Shabbos is feminine. As we see in Source 17. Shabbos pleaded with God, saying, Everyone else has a partner, but I have nothing. Sunday has Monday, Tuesday has Wednesday, Thursday has Friday, and I'm all alone. God answered, saying, The community of Israel, the Jewish people, will be your partner. We are the groom, and Shabbos is the bride. And when we sing Shabbos Friday night, what are we singing? Kala. Kala is a bride. Shabbos is called the Shabbos Queen, as we see in the Talmud, source 18. Rabbi Hanina, one of the sages of the Talmud, would wrap himself in his garment and stand at nightfall on Shabbat Eve and say, Come and we will go out to greet the Shabbat the Queen. Shabbos is referred to a queen. Shabbos is feminine. The energy that's in the world on Shabbos is a feminine energy. During the week, it is masculine. Men like to do things more. Generally, of course, we both like to do both. But generally, men are always out to do something. To fix the problem. And a wife, the woman, those that have a relationship with a woman can say, can tell you that sometimes a woman um, is upset, is sad, and needs, and tells, the, you know, and the husband is trying to figure out, what's the problem? Tell me, I, I need something, I'll bring it to you. Uh, what can I fix? What can I do? And all she says is, I don't need any solutions. I don't want you to fix. Just want you to be here. Just be here. Be with me. Right? You just want to be. A man likes to do more. He's out there. He needs to, in order to feel accomplished, he needs to, he needs to do. And a woman, generally, is more subtle, more just being. A woman just is, right? A woman is life. A man creates life, right? That's the difference. A man does. He creates. He goes out. A woman is, absorbs it. A woman is more, it, it, it just is, generally. That's what Shabbos is. Shabbos, during the week, six days of the week, is a time for men and women to go out and work on the masculine energy, to go out and create, to go out and make a better world, go out and work, engage the world, and do something. Create. Shabbos is the woman. Shabbos is Shabbos the queen. Just to be. The world is not now ready for engagement. It's not ready to work. We worked with. All the world is, is just in a state of being. Shabbos wants us to hold her hand and just be there for her. We are the groom of Shabbos. Not to engage the world, not to create the world, to elevate the world. Just to be. Shabbos is a day of rest for the world. Shabbos is a day when the world it just is. It's a time when we just reconnect to what it, who, are, who we really are. It's not a time to act. It's not a time to, to build. It's not a time to work. And it's just a time to come in touch with what is. What is there. And that's why it can't be that if we work on Shabbos, we will gain. Because the, the wife will say, I don't want your solutions right now. Just be here. That helps her. Just be here and hold my hand. That's what Shabbos is. 
And that's why source 19, when the Shabbos arrives, it shall seem to you as if all your work is done. There is no work. We're not supposed to think about our work. We're not supposed to talk about our work. We should not do work. It is as if everything is done. There's no issues. There's no solutions. It's just what is here. The word Shabbos is related to the Hebrew word Shov. We, lo- we learned that Shabbos means to rest, but it also comes to the word to return. Shuv. Right? You know a little Hebrew. To return. As it is an opportunity to remove, like teshuva. Teshuva means to repent, to return back to, your, to the right way. Shabbos is an opportunity to remove from one's mind all worldly concerns and return and reclaim the self. Stop engaging others. Stop engaging the world. Return back to yourself. Just be who you are. That is what Shabbos. Shabbos is a feminine time. It is a time for the world to just be. That's how the Kabbalah explains. Let's move on to how two, two, two ways how we actually observe the Shabbos. So just to recap, we have three ideas in Shabbos. The simple level of Shabbos is Shabbos is a day when we recognize God created the world. He worked for six days. He rested on the seventh. We do the same. That's number one. Chassidus comes and teaches us Shabbos is a day when we take off from work and we recognize it's not how many hours we spend in the stores, how, many, how much money we make. Everything comes from God. God said to rest on Shabbos. I trust in God. Everything ultimately comes from God. And I'm ready to take a day off. The third and deeper point is that Shabbos is a, in itself a day of rest. Not just for me to show God. Shabbos is a day. It's not a time when the world needs. It should be worked with. It is a day when the world should be at ease. The world should be calm and just itself. Shabbos is feminine. Shabbos is Shabbos HaMalka. Shabbos the Queen. Let's focus on two things. Shabbos is so many ways how we celebrate Shabbos. It's not just a day when we lay in bed and do nothing. Shabbos is a day when we celebrate. Shabbos is a day when we enjoy. We have yummy foods and fish and meat and chillins and chicken soup and gefilte fish and wine. And it's a day when we congregate together in the community, the families. It's a beautiful time. But there are two special things that we do on Shabbos that we'll talk about. The first thing is that we eat challah. Not just one challah. How many challahs? Two. Two challahs. When we set the Shabbos table, it's a beautiful white tablecloth, and we have the front of the table, a cup, a becher, a cup for Kiddush. Right next to that, we have at the front of the table, the challah. But that word means something, right? The challah. Challah is two breads with a covering on top, and that is how the Shabbos table is set. What what does the word challah mean? I believe it means something. Literally, challah is just a kind of bread. The dew. We learned that the man fell with the dew. The dew would descend, source 20, would descend on the earth. Then the manna would descend upon it. And then more dew would descend upon the manna. And it was as if the manna was stored in a box. Dew, manna, dew. On Shabbos, source 21. A person is obligated to break bread in his meal over two loaves of bread. As it is written, it happened on the sixth day. They collected double the bread. And that is why every Friday evening we have two breads to remind us of the two breads, the two portions of manna which fell Friday afternoon for Shabbos. 
We have two breads. The manna was called bread. We have bread and we have a double portion of bread. And then what do we do? We cover the bread just as the manna was covered. Source 22. Since the manna was encased between layers of dew, we envelop the chalos, which resembles the manna between the tablecloth or cutting board and the challah cover, reliving the manna miracle at our Shabbos table. Because they remind us that Shabbos is about remembering the manna. That our challah, our food, our sustenance is also manna from heaven. Maybe it doesn't fall from heaven, but it's from heaven, it's from God. And when every Shabbos, every Friday evening, we take the two challahs and we cover it just like, and we put it in a case just like the manna, we relive the manna miracle at our Shabbos meal, and the message of the manna, the message of Shabbos. That is one thing we do on Shabbos. And that's why we have special challah, special bread that we make to remember the manna. The second thing we do is we light the Shabbos candles before Shabbos, 18 minutes before sunset. Source 23. The kindling of a Shabbos lamp is not a matter left to our volition. If one desires, one may kindle it. But if one does not desire, one need not. Instead, it is an obligation, Mimani tells us. It's a rabbinic obligation to light the Shabbos candles. And really, the Shabbos lights are a tradition in our hands from the times of Moses. The Jewish people from the desert times, when they were first told to honor the Shabbos, they lit candles. And many reasons are brought why. But even before the times of the desert, it says Sarah, the first Jewish woman, lit Shabbos candles. And Rivka and Rebecca and, and the Jewish people lit Shabbos candles way back. Shabbos candles bring peace in the home. They bring enjoyment and respect for the Shabbos. And spiritually, the candles represent the soul. They represent spirituality and they bring that spiritual atmosphere to the Shabbos table. Candles and Shabbos go back a long time. And every Friday afternoon, 18 minutes before sunset, Jewish women and girls light Shabbos candles. Jewish women light two candles and girls, single girls light one candle. If there is no woman in the house, a man should light the candles, at least two candles. But women have an obligation more, based on what we learn. Can we figure out why? Because women and Shabbos go hand in hand. Shabbos is the feminine force. That's the spiritual, the Kabbalistic explanation. But simply, source 24, women have a greater obligation in this regard than men, for they are normally at home and are involved in the household tasks. They're the ones preparing the table, and the candles are there to bring peace to the home. But that's the simple idea. Based on what we learned, we understand Shabbos is just about being, just about who we are. As we learned a few weeks ago, the woman is the one that decides if the child is Jewish because that's who he is. The man, the father, is the one that decides what tribe he belongs to, what is his function, what is his work. Will he work as in the temple as a, as a Kohen or will he work in the field? Or, you know, what he will do, what his occupation will be, but who he is, what is he? That the mother decides because the woman is, is, is who you are. The man is what you do. Source 25. The The Rebbe in 1974 came out with a Shabbos candles campaign. We know in 1967, we learned last week, came out with the Tefillin campaign. 1974 was a Shabbos candle campaign. Even Jews are not re yet at the stage of keeping the whole Shabbos. They should still light the Shabbos candles. It's a beautiful mitzvah to do. And 
they put, uh, they made a big campaign. And if you look in the New York Times, on every front page of the New York Times, every Friday, it says Shabbos candle lighting times. And there was once a article about, uh, with the New York Times, what the front page of the New York Times will look like in a hundred years. You know? And there was only one thing there that was the same. Shabbos candle lighting times. That was there. Because the Jews are continuing to light Shabbos candles every week. And this was the, ed the, the editor of the New York Times. He was the one I that wrote that. It's there. That. And it's all from the Rebbe's campaign. And many such other initiatives to, uh, on the radios and other places to remind Jewish women and girls to light the Shabbos candles. So the Rebbe's wife, Rebetzin Chaya Mushka, a very private person, but she was once um, shopping somewhere, and the woman at the cashier seemed very distraught and very sad. And the Rebetzin, I guess, knew her. She would always go shopping there a little, and, and uh, she told her, you know, you're Mrs. Schneerson. I guess she saw her uh, credit card. Uh, are you related to the Lubavitcher Rebbe? And she said, yes, my husband. And he says, well, I'm very upset at him. <laughs> Why? Why would he be upset? Well, so he said, she says that um, my husband and I wrote a letter to the Rebbe. They were, I think I'm saying this correctly, had an issue. I believe it was that they, ne they needed a blessing for children. They wrote a letter to the Rebbe. And the Rebbe said they should take upon themselves a mitzvah and that will be a vessel, a channel for God's blessing. And they took upon themselves to light Shabbos candles. And the blessing did not come. She was very upset. So, reminds me of another joke, but <laughs> I came to the rabbi complaining that the rabbi said that if you do this mitzvah, the mezuzah, it's going to, whatever, it's going to protect you. And, and it didn't protect him. The rabbi says, listen, I, wor I don't work. I work in sales. I don't work in customer service. <laughs> so, the rabbi's in... Uh, Told this man, told this woman, she started asking him, how do you light the candles? When do you light it? She says, well, my husband works late Friday on Friday, so I wait for him to come home. And we light, we light it together. So the Reverend told her, that's a problem, because in the winter, Shabbos comes in early. The time he comes home, it's late. And once Shabbos comes in, it's better not to, to light a candle. It has to be done before. So the Reverend told her, and sure enough, the blessing was fast and coming. So that is Shabbos candles. It's a source of blessing. It's a source that our, the, the, the mazel, the candle represents the soul and the mazel shines when we light the Shabbos candles. But there is a, a custom that when the, when the woman lights the candles, she lights the candles and she goes like this. Right? That was the way your mother did it. What is this idea? So there is no source, and I have not found a source for this custom, but this is the way we did it, and that's the way everyone, our mothers did it, and the grandmothers, it's a Jewish custom. Where did it come Where from? Where did it come from, exactly? I, I don't know. Well, so what, what is it? I don't know where it comes from, but maybe there's a lesson that we can take from it. And that My is a source. Said, what? My mother uh, explained me. Yes? Uh, her name was Fager, and mm -hmm. Fager is a bird. And, 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 and she said, yeah. this, it's like I, I, I fly on, on heaven. Uh -huh. I, 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 I put my wing and fly on heaven. Everybody has their own sugar stick love. Share with you. Source 25. What one rabbi 
Rotz, which I think fits into the general idea of Shabbos. After expanding our powers outward, using our masculine energy for six days, comes the seventh day, we draw our energy back inward. During the work week, we are pulled in all directions and our frantic activities drain our soul. The creativity and inventiveness that lies within has been exhausted. And so we need to draw our energy back to its source to be replenished and renewed. Perhaps this is symbolized by the inward waving motion at candlelighting. We are beckoning our soul energy to come back to its source. For six days, we were outward being. We were men. We were using our masculine energy. We were out there engaging the world, working, investing ourselves in the world around us, which is a good thing. We are supposed to work for six days. God created the world for six days. We should use our creative energy. We are supposed to work. We're not in the desert uh, wandering for, 70, for 40 years. We got to work. But on Shabbos, we pull back, holding our energy in to regain, regain focus and balance. Think about God. Think about creation. Think about life, why we are here, just to be. Think about who we are, to meditate a little bit, to just be who we are, to touch the world around us, to get in touch with reality, not in the reality of technology, of so many things that distract us and can keep us very busy with no time to think about ourselves, think about why we're here, think about our family. Shabbos is that time. Shabbos is an island in time. It's an island, a time when we disconnect from the world and reconnect with ourselves. I'll share with you two stories and then Alex can share with us what he wanted to say before. One beautiful story that almost every Jewish child knows or should know is the story of a man named Yosef, recorded in the Talmud on page 119, and it goes like this. Yosef Moker Shabbos. There was a man called Yosef, and he was known the one who honors the Shabbos, who, um, whose possessions, uh, <coughs> in his neighborhood there was a non-Jew whose possessions were very great. The astrologer said to his neighbor, all your possessions, Yosef, who honors the Shabbos, will consume them. They will all eventually pass on to Joseph. Fearing their prediction and hoping to foil it, he went and sold all his possessions, his whole estate, and bought with the proceeds an extremely valuable pearl. And he placed it in his hat. He sewed it into his hat, and he was wearing his hat always, figuring, figured his neighbor will never get it. It's always in his, on his, in his hat. He was passing over a river crossing, over a bridge. A gust of wind sent his hat flying and cast it into the water, where a fish came and swallowed the fish and the pearl. Sorry, swallowed the hat and the pearl. Sometime later, a fisherman hauled up the fish and brought it ashore late in the day on Friday, by which time everyone has already completed their Shabbos shopping and everyone had what they need. So they were disappointed and say, Who will buy it now? It's late in the day. Who will buy this fish? They said to him, go bring it to Yosef who honors the Shabbos, for he has a habit of buying any delicacy that comes his way for the honor of Shabbos. So he might still buy it because Yosef honored the Shabbos. And even though he wasn't rich, he always, he found a better dish, a better fish. He bought the better fish. Shabbos deserves the better fish. Whatever, he always uh, was giving his last coins to have beautiful, delicious food for Shabbos. So they went to Yosef and they said to him, go bring it. Uh, they, went, they brought it to him and indeed he bought it. When he cut it open, he found the pearl in it. 
He then sold the pearl for 13 attics full of gold coins. He made, became very rich of Shabbos. A certain elder encountered him and said, He who borrows for the sake of Shabbos, Shabbos repays him. He borrowed money. He would always spend money on Shabbos. Shabbos does not remain in debt. Shabbos eventually pays back. That's a story of the Talmud. There are many videos and plays that made on the story. This is, this is the story in short that the Talmud tells us. To honor the Shabbos. Second story is of the previous Rebbe. Previous Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, who tonight is his yard site, the day that he passed in 1950, was arrested in 1927 by the Soviets for spreading Judaism, and he was to be shot. That's what they found on the, in the files. He was to be shot, and within 24 hours, miraculously, he was saved, and after about three weeks in prison, he was sentenced for three years of, of, of exile to faraway Kastrama, and that was also um, commuted, and eventually he left Russia and eventually came here to America after living in Poland. He came here in 1940. But when he was told, it was Friday, uh, Friday after, on Friday or Thursday evening, and he was told he has six hours to go home from prison, and he needs to be by the train station to go to his exile, the city of exile. He asked, when will the train arrive in Kastrama? And they told him it will arrive on Shabbos. And the Soviets deliberately did so because they wanted to get him somehow. They knew he was a man of faith, a man of the religion. And he said, If so, I'm not leaving prison. I'm staying here. I'm not leaving if the train is going to arrive on Shabbos. They wouldn't let him go home for more than six hours. They said, I'm staying here. You can imagine. Every moment that he was in prison was life-threatening. They wanted to kill him. They were planning to kill him that night. There were ten clergymen that were arrested that night. Nine of them were shot that night. He made, a, he made a turn, a wrong turn. He didn't go where he was supposed to. And then by then people found out and the government, started, American government and, and politicians started putting pressure. A whole story. But he was saying every moment that they did, they, 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 they tortured him literally. He was a sick man after he was tortured from being there. Every moment being there was life-threatening. And still, he stood up and he said, I'm not leaving this place if the train will arrive on Shabbos. That was the previous Rebbe, a fearless man. And that concludes today's lesson about Shabbos. It's a day of rest, a day when we reconnect with ourselves. Now, there are 25 hours of Shabbos. Let's start with a few minutes few minutes of Shabbos. This week, if you don't light the candles, light the candles and say the first 10 minutes, I'm keeping Shabbos. Next week, you do 11 minutes. A few minutes can't be too bad. L'chaim. Yes, Alex, you wanted to share a story?